Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, it is Memorial Day weekend. By the way, wasn't that a moving tribute right there? We are so grateful for every person that uh, paid the ultimate price for our freedom. And, you know, tomorrow, uh, while you're having your barbecues or whatever you do, uh, take a minute and just thank God uh, for all of those that gave their life for this country. We are so incredibly blessed. And, you know, Memorial Day weekend, this is kind of the weekend and Labor Day weekend as well, where a lot of people are traveling here in the Northwest. There's this phenomenon that we love so much called camping. What is with that? We love camping. And so obviously there's a lot of people out in the woods and having a good time. And that's totally, totally cool. We're praying for their safety as they they come back. And I want you to pray for me too. This is a very serious moment because my family has left me. Yes, my wife and my children are visiting uh, my in-laws in Sakalana. That's how they say it in the South. Sakalana, that's South Carolina. Um, so they're visiting, they're visiting family and uh, they're, they're uh, so, so just keep, keep me in your prayers. I'm very malnourished, as you can see. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. So, um, but it's funny, yesterday, uh, uh, my, I text my wife and I said, hey, babe, I go, I go uh, are the kids having a good time? And she didn't even write back. All she did was send me this picture of my daughter. Look at this. And so, I, yeah, it seems like they're having a good time. And then I said, well, what about, what about Fulton? Is he having a good time? And then so she sent me this picture here. And uh, he caught his first fish yesterday. And it was kind of bittersweet because dad wasn't there, but uh, my brother-in-law helped him reel in that eight-pound catfish. Anyone like catfish in here? I know it's the Northwest, but I'm telling you, some folks love cat. I like it too. If you deep fry it, I'm just saying. Um, but they're having a great time, and uh, they'll be back this uh, on Thursday. So um, just pray for me. I'm really hungry. And <laughs> only kidding. Hey, uh, we're continuing this series entitled Better, say better. better. Talking about what does it look like? In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus makes this statement and he says it, and this is my paraphrase. He, he says that I, I, I have come to you so that you may experience life to the fullest. Other translation says that you may experience true abundance that you, that you may uh, experience life in a, in a better way than you think life is. And so we've been talking about is, is abundance just simply a brand new Lexus and C- Seahawks season tickets? I mean, that stuff's cool. Don't get me wrong. And if you have that stuff, let me give you my cell phone number. I, I will go to, that's fine. But, but is, was that what Jesus was talking about? Just stuff and, no, no, no. When he uses that word, living life, to the, that phrase, to live the full experience, it's, it's so much more. Many of you in this room have experienced what he's talking about here, and you're living in that. And there's some of us that aren't. And so uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, want, I want to be better. I want to, I want to experience the better that Jesus 
is referring to here, referring here into in John chapter 10. Verse so we were looking at, we've been, we've been kind of breaking it down. So one week we talked about what does it look like to have better relationships, romantic relationships, friendships, interactions with uh, our, our uh, colleagues. What does that look like? How, how can we, better, we be better at that? A couple of weeks ago, I talked about what does it look like to have better emotional health? I'm so grateful for doctors so grateful for, for, uh, for, for, for counselors, but I'm also grateful that the Holy Spirit has this very unique way of healing our minds and our spirits. And so if we combine all that together, it's an exciting thing. So we talked a little bit about that last week. My bride brought one of the, one of the best teachings on how to have better prayer, a better prayer life that I've ever heard. I mean, if, and if you weren't here, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, just go to our website and you can download our podcast. They're there every Monday. You can get the teachings if you're traveling, etc. Cfan.church. You can go right there or go to YouTube and just type in Church for All Nations 253 and you'll find all of our teachings. We uh, catalog them all. But it was just a, a fabulous uh, teaching on prayer. So check that out. Today, I want to talk about something kind of unique. And here's the word, if you're taking notes. Uh, the word is stewardship. Stewardship. How, how can we be better stewards of the gifts that God has given each and every one of us? Some of you maybe are like, yeah, I've heard that word, but can you unpack that word a little bit more? Let me give you just a, uh, one definition of the word stewardship. And that is, stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Let me say it one more time. Stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So, so stewardship is really next level Management. Let me say that again. It's it's not just stewardship is not just managing things. It's like it's next level management. When someone considers themselves a steward versus just a manager, their entire attitude towards their time, their money, their resources, their abilities, their information, their wisdom, authority. When, when someone sees themselves as a steward versus a manager, their attitude towards all of those things is better. It's the title of the series, Better. I was thinking about Elder Denmark just now. This is a man who served his country so faithfully. This is a man who lost very close friends in battle. This is a man who understands what that word freedom really means. Elder Denmark is a steward. He's not just a manager. He's a steward of his freedom, right? It's a beautiful thing when you can have a deeper understanding of whatever that situation really is. What does it look like to be a steward? And how, how do we be better at that? And, you know, if you're an employer, it's one thing to hire a manager, and there's all kinds of managers. But, man, if you're an employer and you can hire a steward, man, your business is going to sail. 
It's going to be better because stewards are bought in. They have skin in the game. They feel connected to whatever the assignment is. They own it. They feel it. Are you with me? You know what I'm talking about. So, so, so how can we, how can we better, how can we as followers of Jesus be better stewards of everything that he's put on loan to us? That's the question. And you know what? We're, in the future, down the road, we'll do an entire series on this word stewardship because there's so many different teachings throughout Scripture on stewardship. But today, I'm just going to kind of scratch the surface. I'm going to kind of hit it from a, from a 40,000-foot spot, right? I'm just going to kind of graze it because we can talk about this forever. So in light of that, I, I want to look at a story. It's called a parable that Jesus gave that's, that's somewhat controversial. How many of you know that Jesus was a radical revolutionary in his day. He, he, he was a, he wasn't, he was, he, and he said some pretty controversial things. He said a few offensive things too, right? I know we live in this PC world, but he was, he was anything but that. He offended a lot of people. How many of you know Christianity uh, is pretty offensive? And I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but man, if we're not careful, we, you know, our, our culture, we've kind of watered down Christianity. We've made it this kind of feel-good thing and soft and, no, everybody's right. And No, 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 no. Jesus said, I came to, I came to separate father and son. And I can't, he just said some radical things. He's, he, he was like, you're either all on my side or, man, you can take a hike. You know, there was nothing PC about Jesus. And he tells this story that's a bit controversial. And it's found in the book of Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. Because he, he, he teaches on this principle of stewardship. And in Luke's gospel, this story uh, is often referred to as the parable of the ten minas. It's a story about money. And let me give you a little bit of context before we go to the, before we go to the scripture. Uh, there's a group of followers of Jesus that he's teaching to that their expectations are off. They, they, are, they are, for whatever reason, expecting the kingdom of God to magically go poof right in front of their eyes. And that Jesus is about to sit on a throne, a physical throne in Jerusalem with a crown and defeat the stinking Romans. And the Jews are going to take back and, re, you know, all of these things. And that, that was never Jesus' plan from the beginning. And so in light of that, he begins to teach on this principle of stewardship and he tells this story. Let's look to the scriptures and then we'll unpack it a little bit about here, a little bit here. Let's start with verse 12. Now, this is Jesus. Jesus said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. This morning, just for the next couple of minutes here, I want to give you a few thoughts on stewardship. And I want to do it by looking at culture's way versus scripture's way, or God's way, if you will. I want to, I want, I want to show you the contrast. 
Because there's a way that our world says to deal with it. There's a way that our society, our culture says, this is how you should do it. But man, how many of you know that this Jesus stuff is, here's the here counterculture. And scripture is very clear as to handle this word stewardship. So I have, I just, if you're taking notes, just three thoughts. Here's the first one, write this down, you'll see it on the screens. And that is, culture says it's all for you. Scripture says it's all God's, but available to you. The first thing that, we've, that we have to understand about stewardship as Christians is that we operate under this agreement that everything is God's, that he owns it all, including you. Let that sink in for a second. Now, now how counterculture is that thought? The fact that you don't even own yourself that he owns you, that he made you, that you are an actual expression of his handiwork, that you were created to, you, you don't want to know what part of you, the reason why you exist? Get ready for this. You were created to worship God. That's why you're here, period, mic drop. Now, I, I know that sounds maybe offensive to a few people. And the reason why it sounds offensive to you is because you've only been taught this. You've consumed from pop culture. So, for, so, so when I say you are owned, you're like, whoa, no, no, no. The fact of the matter, we, we, we don't, we're not, he, he owns us. And if you allow that to, if you embrace that, man, it'll set you free. Oh man, he is the king of kings. I'm so grateful. So, so, we, so, so we operate under this agreement that everything is God's. And the psalmist actually uh, confirms that in Psalm 24, verse one. Look what the scripture says. Scripture says, the earth is the Lord's and everything. Someone say everything. And everything in it, the world and just a few who live in it. No, 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 no. And all, all culture says it's all for you. Get, get more, consume, climb over people, take people out, right? That's what culture says to do. They preach it, they preach it. Scripture says, no, 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 no. It's all his, but it's available to you. This is counterculture living. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And so as you look at this story, each one of these servants truly knew and they, they understood that what they had just received from the king was not theirs. The king didn't say, here, I want to gift this to you. And, uh, you know, I've got this, if you work it, you'll make more money. You can have, no, no, it was the king's always. He said, work this. So we are all his, everything we have is his, and this is the fundamental principle of biblical stewardship. We are simply managers of what he's loaned us. I remember being a brand new parent. I remember uh, as the doctor handed this little screaming baby girl and placed 
him in my hands. I looked at her and I said, no, you take it back. I'm the wrong guy for this. I, I mean, I was just like, I was just like freaking out. I'm like, I don't, th- I, you, you're handing this, this, this living thing to the wrong, you know, you know, parent, you don't have to raise your hand, but you, you, you remember, those of you parents, the first time you're just like, oh, I, I, I can remember holding her. I'm like, I'm going to break a, bo- I'm going to break one of her bones on accident. Cause I mean, she was like this little, and I'm like, ah, you know, I was just freaking out and I was so in love, but man, I was so scared. I think I called my mom about every seven minutes. You, you know what I'm talking about. And dad, what do I do? And, and I'm so grateful that my parents coached me through some of that. But I, I was also thinking about how, you know, we, God created us as parents to just kind of figure it out. Like, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like you just kind of, you figure it out. Like you, you, you just figure it out. In fact, there's some of you that know some folks that, that, have, that just had a baby and they're like, I, I don't know if they're going to do it. They'll figure it out. Like just, just give them some time. They'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. And that's, that was part of the process that I had. But I, I can remember my daughter was probably two years old. And uh, we can be honest in church, can't we? Okay. I have a confession. I, I am one of those parents that when my kids were real little, when they'd act up, I had no problem shoving my phone in their face with Sesame Street on. You know what I mean? So go ahead, judge me, throw stones. I, it's, it's, you know, so, so my, my daughter, Israel, she loved that little red furry creature named Elmo. You know what I'm talking about? Hi, I'm Elmo. You know, she loved Elmo and Sesame Street. So if she started acting up, maybe we'd be at dinner or whatever. I'd just be like, Elmo, boom. And it was just like, ah, and she would go in this trance of like, just in love with Elmo, you know? And on this one particular, particular night, we were at a restaurant and we were with some friends and it was probably already past her bedtime and she was getting, you know, she was a two. It's what two-year-olds do. And she was acting up. And, and so I, I, I grabbed my phone and I clicked on Netflix and I just said, here, Izzy, you can, you know, you can use my phone and watch. And so she took it and she was watching and everything was fine. And we spent another 30 minutes and just had a great evening, great conversation. But then it was time to go right? You know where I'm going with this. And I said, okay, everyone had a great night. It's time to go. And I said, all right, Izzy, you know, and I, I, and I went, I t- give, give me the phone back. And, sh- and she went from like lit to like, sh- like I was reaching out to a demon. You know what I'm talking about? Because she, she did this too. And like in all, in that one second, everything changed. You know what I mean? And she did it. And I bet your kids are that. Like, Mine! She's like, mine. Like she had like a male adult voice too. But it was like, mine, you know? And I was like, and in that moment, I was like, what? I was like, what in the, where did that? I certainly never taught her that, you know? Maybe her mom did. I don't, I don't know. Like, where did that? She's not here. So we can say that. Uh, she said, mine. And I, I was just like, whoa, what, what do you? And then it was like, that was like a split second. And then the next second, I was like, everything, all the blood rushed back in to my body. And I just literally back, and no, I'm only kidding. I didn't do that. I just, I, that was a joke. That was a joke. I would never do that. I was just like, little girl, no, it's not yours, you know? It's mine, you know? I took it back, you know? And, and uh, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about that little moment. In fact, I called my dad, and he was like, son, you better nip that in the bud, you know? And uh, 
How many of you know that she, she's not really like that anymore? But Because I'm her dad, we've been coaching through some of that stuff. But how many of you know that we're, we're born with that inside of us? Babies come out just, rah, give me, you know, like, that, like we enter the world with that inside of us. Mine. And did you know that I know a few 45-year-olds who are like that? My jet ski, you know, like, it's mine. No, 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 friend. No, it's, it's all his. It's all his. Every breath you take is a gift. Everything that you have in your hands, it's all his. He owns all of the cattle on how many hills? Right. Maybe you're here today and you say, ah, whatever, self-made. I I hear that a lot. I'm self-made, man. I came from nothing. And I just worked hard and I, you know, I'm the man. That's why I got that boat in the Puget Sound. I bought that and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, all right, man, high five. That's not really what scripture says. And in fact, this is, this is a, I, I, I use this verse in the, in the first service, but this is a passage of scripture because how many of you know that even the pastor at times can start doing the, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of crushing it this month, you know? I kind of got, man, look at what I, I mean, that can creep in to all of us, Right? And I'm reminded, this passage of scripture, like the whole, this is the passage of scripture. Have you read the Holy Spirit, like just do one of these to you? Like, boom, like just like, just kick you in the behind. This is, this is that passage of scripture. So, so write this down. If you ever have moments in your life where you're like, yeah, I'm the man, I'm the girl, you know, look at this. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verses 17 through 18. JF, You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Now, you might say that, but watch this. But remember, say remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. That'll put, that'll sit you right back down in the chair, doesn't it? It all comes from him. And you know what? Bless you for working hard. But you know where that power to work hard came from? It came from him. You you know where that wisdom came from? That PhD you got, yeah, you worked hard and we applaud you for that, but man, whew, that, eth- that work ethic, and that, that, that comes from God. It's, it's a great perspective shifter. It helps, sure helps me out. And so just like the parable, he's loaned things to us, not to do whatever we want with them, but to manage, but yet, better yet, steward them in a way that he's called each and every one of us to. So let's go back to that, that story in Luke chapter 19 so we understand the master in this story and what the expectations were. Let's go back to verse 12. I'll read it one more time and then we'll keep unpacking it. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas 
put this money to work, he said, until I come back. So what did he do next? Well, he gave them all assignments. And what were the assignments? The assignments were, take what I've placed in your hand and grow my kingdom. That's what he said. Make my kingdom bigger. When I come back, I want to have a larger kingdom. I want more authority. Uh, I want more dirt. I want to have a bigger uh, influence in this area. That's exactly what he's saying here. And this is really the, this leads into the second principle. And that is, write this down. Culture says to focus on your rights. Scripture says focus on your responsibilities. Culture says to focus on your rights. Scripture says focus on your responsibilities. Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibilities. It, it, it's a different way of looking at life. And God has given each and every one of us assignments related directly to the giftings. And that's the word. The giftings that he's so generously given each and every one of us. It's an assignments thing. Someone who's solely focused on what they think their rights are, are constantly responding with, this doesn't serve me the way I want. That's, that's someone who's just consumed with, that's my right, right? And so if, you, if, you, if you're around someone who that's kind of their thing all the time, the way they respond to whatever you're talking to looks something like that. Oh, pfft, well, that doesn't serve me. That doesn't accommodate my agenda, right? The difference between that type of a person and someone who's focused on their responsibilities and their assignments say, how can I better serve the way and the things that he wants for me? It's a totally different approach. A steward is focused on his or hers responsibilities and assignments. And every time they approach whatever the deal is, they're, they're, they're always thinking, how does this serve the king of kings? How does, how does this produce more for the kingdom of God? And if, and if you can begin to work this muscle, because it's a muscle, this isn't an overnight thing. My grandfather used to harp on that. You're not going to walk out of here today and everything's changed. But you will walk out of this place if you're willing to allow these principles to, 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 to soak into you. Little by little, you'll see a change in your life. And more so than you, your neighbor will. Man, that JF used to be so stinking selfish and all about himself, and he's not as bad anymore, right? That's applying. That's applying the scriptures here. Culture says to focus on your rights. Scripture says focus on your responsibilities. And how many of you know the king in this story that Jesus is, is telling gave his servants pretty big assignment? Pretty big responsibilities. That word mina doesn't really compute uh, with our modern culture. In the ancient world, they knew exactly what a mina was and how much value it had, how much worth it had. And so I just, just for fun, I wanted to break it down so you, so you can get kind of a fresh perspective on what this king that Jesus is teaching about, what he placed in each one of his servants' hands. So look up at the screens here. This is, this is the value. This is the worth of this mina. So look at this here. The value of one mina equals 100 days wages. Okay, so just let that sink in for a second. 
The value of one mina today, like if I handed you a mina after the service today, the value of one today is take the minimum wage. Now, this is an approximation, and this is a national one because there's some places where minimum wage, I don't know, 15 bucks, Seattle. But then I was talking to somebody, and they said, well, you know, in some state in the South, it's like six bucks, okay? So wouldn't that be a tough time, okay? But anyway, let's, this is just kind of an approximate thing. So, so $10.35 minimum wage times eight hours a day times 100 days equals approximately $8,280. So the value of 10 minus today values at approximately $82,800. So this king hands each of his servants 80 Gs and says, go to work for me, right? A pretty big assignment, a huge responsibility. And the king said, Go, grow, grow my kingdom. Let me show you another passage of scripture that will make a little bit more sense as I uh, wrap up the end of this sermon. Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 through 17. This is what St. Paul wrote. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. Now watch this. This is huge. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now in the original language, that word evil translates better to this word misleading. Be very aware of what's taking place and, and, and take advantage of every opportunity that you have because the days are misleading. Meaning, you, you don't know what tomorrow really has for you. I know you've got it in your day timer. Do we use day timers anymore? I don't know. Your iCal. I know you've got your plans for next Thursday. But man, who knows what'll happen? The days are evil. They're misleading. There's evil people in this world doing evil things. Okay. So Paul is saying, take ev steward the moment that you have, right? Am I being clear here? Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Meaning, understand what the Lord's assignment for you is. So, so, so that, what does that require? It requires intentionality. It requires you staying tuned in to what, how many know the Holy Spirit is rarely, thus saith the Lord, and a big cloud of blows up a smoke, and he's, no, 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 it's, it's usually a nudge. It's a whisper. And so you have to be very intentional, staying tuned into that, and then when you got it, take it, don't, have, you know what, I think I'll do that next Thursday. No, Paul says do it now. Take advantage of every opportunity and that really leads into my last thought. The band can come back. And that is, write this down. This is like, this is, the, this is the 4th of July grand finale. Are you ready? Number one, or excuse me, number three. Culture says, look out for number one. Scripture says, use what you're given to reach the one. You know what I'm talking about? Like culture says, just make sure you're okay. 
and you can trample everybody else, right? The scripture says, no, no, no. What the Lord has so graciously placed on loan to you, use it to reach another person for my kingdom. That's ultimately why we're here. You say, JF, I, I teach public school, third grade, or I'm a doctor, I sell real estate, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Yeah, th those are things you do, but your ultimate assignment is to use those opportunities to love people, to draw them to Jesus. I can't tell you how many doctors I know that like almost covertly lead people to Christ. I mean, I sit, I sit caught, and they're like, hey, man, I, my, my buddy's a, uh, he's a chiropractor. And he's like, man, I'm leading people to Christ like undercover, man. Like they don't even, they don't even realize it. It's just, it's just cool how we can advance God's kingdom and you don't have to stand up here with a microphone. More, I, I, more people come to Christ outside those doors because of what you guys do at Starbucks or, or, or working along somebody in your cubicle than some guy up here with a microphone, man. I'm honored to get to do this, but man, there's a lot of people coming to Christ outside the four walls of churches. How many would believe that? I mean, the Holy Spirit uses every opportunity. And so back to this principle of stewardship, culture says, look out for number one, look out for you. Scripture says, use what's been placed in your hands so that you can reach another person, right? What did Jesus say in Matthew 28? He said, go and to do what? Make disciples, right? So that part of making disciples is you gotta, you gotta reach them first, right? Let's go back to the text and we'll finish the text. Let's go to verse 16. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. That's pretty cool. King shows up, you go run Gig Harbor. Take Puyallup, you know what I mean? That's, that's a pretty big deal. Verse 18, the second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. Your 80 Gs is really working. His master answered, you take charge of five cities, right? You get lacy and, you know. And then look at this. So, so with that in mind, they, they were rewarded for how they managed, how they steward the opportunity. Verse 20, now, now watch what happens here. The scripture says, <clears throat> then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. So he goes on to explain that really he was, he was afraid. He was afraid to actually use it. So he went and hid it, right? And then he goes on to talk about how he didn't, he didn't, he didn't truly understand his master's intentions. He, he was afraid of his master. And so because he was afraid, he just sat on it, Right? Now watch what happens here. Look how, look, look how the king responds. He says, well, then, then, then why didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? And then he said to those standing by, so here, here's, here's the controversy. And this is, what, this, is, this is Jesus teaching. And this doesn't really feel like Jesus, but it came from his mouth, so I gotta, I gotta listen. Now watch. Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has the 10 minus. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. 
but it's for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Don't fire shots. I'm just saying here. That's what he said. And I was actually kind of meditating on that this past week in my studies. And I was like, man, that's harsh. Take away what little the one had and and give it to the one that has all all of it already? I mean, that, that doesn't feel good. What is that all about? Why would he do that? And in thought, this little interaction that I had with my four-year-old came to mind. Isn't it cool how the Holy Spirit works sometimes? Like, let me, let me show you how you can illustrate this to Church for All Nations. And so here's kind of how I came to terms with this radical thought. How many of y'all know what these are? Matchbox cars, right? Any Matchbox car fans in the house? I mean, come on, let's go. How many of you like love toys that are just like timeless? I mean, you know, they're just, they're always cool. You know, it's not, they're not fatty. They're just, with a D, by the way, fatty. I made up that word. Um, but, but they're just cool. They're fun, man. And you, they're just great. And, and these are Fulton's, uh, my son Fulton, he's four now. These are his Matchbox cars. And I, and I told him before they left, I said, son, I got to use your cars uh, for church. And he said, dad, please be careful. Don't lose them. All right, so keep an eye on these. I can't lose them, all right? And, uh, and uh, it was funny how I, how I actually got these. Uh, a few years back when uh, we were uh, campus pastors at our, our Life Center downtown campus, it was one of the end of the services, and my son Fulton had, like, just been born, like, two weeks before that. And uh, my friend Thomas, Thomas is a good dude, I saw him coming down the center aisle and he had these two things in his hands. Now, look, I mean, look at this, by the way. This is like the ultimate cool, okay? These are, these are the vin- like vintage matchbox car, uh, like garage, like the holders. And, and each one of these holds 100 cars in each one. And in fact, it's got like dust from like 1983 on them. It's just really, I was like, don't, don't, Ashley was like, want me to wash that? No, no, leave it. Just leave it. It's cool like that. You know, it's just like, this is the, the real deal. And I saw him coming down the aisles and he had both of them. And my initial thought was like, this is for me, you know, and because I love, I love matchbox cards. So he comes down the aisles and he's like, Pastor Jeff, he's like, uh, here. And he picks them up. And I was like, bro, I love Matchbox cars. My favorite thing ever. And, and he was like, he looked at me like with this crazy look. And he's like, these aren't for you. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, who, who are they for? He's like, they're for your son, man. He's like, every little boy needs Matchbox cars. And Fulton's going to be, you know, uh, a, you know, three, four, five in just a little while. And you got to give these to him, man. And I was like, well, of course, yeah, they're for him. Maybe I'll kind of play around with him too before he gets to four. You know what's funny about this? This has nothing to do with my illustration. But when he handed them to me, I took them and I'm walking away off the stage. And for whatever reason, both latches opened up and like 200 matchbox cars were douche all over the ground. And so we were just covered in matchbox cars. But a few months ago, Fulton had some of his playmates over, some of his, his, little, his little buddies, and, and they were down. We've got this little playroom area downstairs in our house where 
it just kind of looks like a circus in there. You know, parents, you know, talking about just, and it's never clean, by the way. It's just like, friends are coming over, close and lock the door. You know what I mean? Like, just toys everywhere. And, and so they were down there playing, and I was upstairs and in the kitchen, and Fulton came running up the stairs, and he's all kind of sweaty, and, you know, and they've been doing little boy stuff. And he said, he said, Dad. I said, yeah, buddy. He goes, we got to go to Fred Meyer. That translates to Fred Meyer. And we got to get some, we got to go buy some cars. And I was like, buy some cars? He's like, yeah. He said, my friends are here and I, we got to get some cars for them. And I thought to myself, son, like you have 200 cars in your possession. I said, son, where are, where, where's, where's that big jar of cars? And he goes, with a smile came on his face. He said, I hid them in my closet. <laughs> I said, why'd you hide them in your closet? And he said, because I'm afraid my friends might take them. <laughs> and in that moment, I thought to myself, man, how many times in my life, at 38 years old, man, I've gone to my heavenly father in the same posture and said, Dad, I need some more gifts. I need some more cars. I, I don't know how to do this job. I'm not, I don't know what to do. To, can you please give me more? And in those moments, the Holy Spirit's, uh, he says, son, I, I, I've placed so many gifts already in you. You don't need to ask me for any more. You, you've got it. They're, they're on loan to you. They're mine, but I'm placing them in your hands. And, and you don't have to be afraid to be effective. And it was so cool in that moment. I was able to, to have this little teaching moment with my four-year-old. And I, and I said, son, go, go get the cars out of your closet, right? So when I got them, and he came back and you know, kind of, you know, carry him four years old and, and he was holding him like this. You know, I said, now, now, now give him to your dad, right? You see, see, part of, part, part of this thing following God is, man, sometimes the, the things that we have that he's placed in our hand, we got to give it back to him, right? Like, like Lord, let me, I want to steward what you've placed in my hands and, and, and so I, I'm giving it back to you so that, you can use it in an even greater way. You know the Lord blesses you when you do that? When you say, take it, and, and, and you know what he does? He says, let's hold on to this together, and we're, and we're going to reach more people. The whole idea is reaching. So I sat my, my, my little boy down. I said, son, this, let me tell you how this, this thing works. <clears throat> I said, you know, being a friend is all about being kind and loving and generous. And sometimes being a friend is giving gifts. <clears throat> sometimes there's a transaction that takes place. And because of your love and your generosity to your friend, they're going to love you that much more. And you know what they'll do, son? He's like, what? They'll actually go and tell their other friends about how kind and loving generous Fulton is. Now, mind you, I'm talking at a very four-year-old level, okay? But I said, what will happen is 
they'll tell their friends about you and then they'll want to be friends with you and you'll get more friends because that's just the type of little boy you are. You're loving and you're generous and you steward the gifts that I've given you. And he was like, it was like his mind exploded. You know what I mean? And he said, okay, dad. And he, and he pulled this out of my hand and he screwed it off. And he said, I got to go give my cause away. You know, he pulled them out and trotted back down the stairs. And I popped my head in there about 10 minutes later. And I watched this little boy giving out these cars and playing on with the, with the Hot Wheels track. And, and I just thought to myself, yeah, you know what? That makes God smile. I don't mean just a little boy who's figured out how to be a good playmate. But what makes God truly smile is that when his kids, you and me, truly get a revelation of why they are here on this earth. Our society says it's just about consumption. It's just about feeling good. And then you die. It's essentially what our world teaches. Get a, climb over people. Get as much stuff as you can. And then die. And, and I, I grieve for people who live their life like that. I feel so bad for the person who's waking up right now at 1230, hung over and lost and sad and broken, right? Th those are the people that I want in these seats, man. Maybe you've walked in here today and that's, that's you right now. God bless you for being here. Because here's the thing, if, if we could get a glimpse of what the kingdom is, the kingdom is our heavenly father so gener generously placing in our hands on loan, giftings and resources. And for some of you, wealth, financial wealth, not to, for you just to do whatever you want with it, but man, do your part, your assignment, stewarding your time, your treasure, your talents, everything is placed to do what? To reach another person for his kingdom, to serve somebody else. And you know what's cool about how this whole, this whole thing works? When you truly experience that transaction with somebody, something happens inside of you. It's hard to explain unless, like when you truly are living out your purpose and assignment, it's fun to go to sleep at night like that. It's, and it's cool, especially there's a lot of people in this church who are working this stewardship muscle in such a beautiful way. I mean, we have, we have, we have, fun, we have retired uh, friends that have expertises that they, they use to obviously uh, uh, create wealth and stuff throughout their, their career. And instead of just sitting in Palm Desert for six months out of the year, they're, they're, they're serving in a local church here and they're, they're giving of their time. And it's just incredible, man. When, what's that all about? Un, they understand who they are, what they're doing. And that's what I want for every person in this room to feel and do. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 